Well, our summer sermon series is out of First Peter, and it is titled Hope in a Hostile World. And so today we're at First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. Uh, there's a pew Bible in front of you if you didn't bring one. It's on page 1014, 1014, 1 Peter. You know, last time we were gathered together, Peter helped us to understand that our response as Christians to the hostility of this world is what? Holiness. And remember, holiness is far more than purity. To be holy means that God has set you apart for his good use. Today, Peter builds upon this by answering the question, why has God set us apart? Well, God has a role for us. He has a calling for us to fulfill. Now, it might seem puzzling at first, but through Christ, you have been, you've become part of his priesthood. Yes, a priesthood. That is what Peter will show us this morning. And though perhaps unclear now, by the end of our time, I believe you will joyfully embrace this calling that God has given us to be merciful priests in this mercy-starved world. 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 22, going through verse 10 of chapter 2. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of, our God, of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for those who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for this word given to us today. We see somehow that we're called to be priests here on earth, but that, that seems daunting, unfamiliar. We pray that as your spirit gives life to these words, we would delight to be who you are calling us to be so that your mercy may go into the darkness and bring people to you. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, at times I've been asked if I've ever thought of writing a book, and my sheepish reply has kind of been something along the lines of, uh, you know, maybe one day, you know. Now, there is one topic that has captivated me over the years that I would like to write on, and that is the three offices of Jesus, or the, the hats that Jesus wore while he was on earth and while he is now in heaven. What exactly are the three offices? Perhaps some of you know, I'm sure, but they are prophet and priest and king. Jesus fulfilled the office of prophet as, he, as evidenced by how he began his ministry. Remember in the Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, Jesus went from town to town proclaiming, repent and believe the gospel. And in John 14, 24, Jesus modeled this work of a prophet by declaring that the word that he delivered was not his own, but belonged to his father who had sent him. And of course, Jesus wore the priestly hat, did he not? We see this in how Jesus compassionately cared for the Samaritan woman at the well. He cared for her soul. He desired that she would experience the living water, which only he could give her. And of course, we know from Scripture that Jesus is both our great high priest and the sacrificial lamb as he gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. The third office that Jesus held was that of a king. He lived his life with kingly concern for people. You see this as evidenced by his compassionate acts of healing the sick and feeding thousands and advocating for justice on earth. He also, as a king, fought battles against the forces of evil. And of course, he is seated in heaven on a throne. And one day he will return to judge the living and the dead. Prophet, priest, and king. It's important for us as Christians to understand these offices for several reasons. First, because we are the body of Christ and we are indwelt by the spirit of Christ these three offices of Christ becomes role, become roles that we should embody in our earthly lives. <clears throat> and as we'll see, this is an honor and a privilege. We get to navigate this flawed and hostile world serving as prophets and priests and kings. Now, there's another reason why we must grasp these three offices. See, we have a tendency to prioritize one of the hats over and against the others. Do you know what hat Christians tend to wear? Most Christians from dawn to dusk put on the hat of a prophet. Let me explain why. First, though, there is a certain proper way as Christians for us to wear the prophet hat, and it's not in predicting the future. Most of the work of the Old Testament prophets was not that of predicting. What was it? It was, a, it was a work of calling God's people to faithfulness, to the revealed word of God. And of course, there's many ways in which we Christians can do this properly. But what I'd like to suggest is that when we wear the prophet hat, 
We tend to do it with an air of moral superiority and judgment. We don the prophet hat in our homes, critiquing our spouses, our neighbors, and engaging in all kinds of gossip about others, posting disparaging comments on social media. How dare they? Can you believe? We wear our prophet hats and we become upset when others fail to meet our own standards. We're often quick to find faults in others, right? Swift to pronounce woe. We also wear the prophet hat as Christians when we rile against the ills of this world. And of course, considering the state of our world, it's easy to do this, right? The world in general has turned its back on God and his word and his ways. Consequently, we wake up with our prophetic hats on, eager to point out all the world's flaws. But this is not the way our Lord looks at the world. When Jesus left heaven and came into this hostile, hurtful world, what hat was he wearing? Not the hat of judgment. It was the priestly hat. Jesus' words in John 3, 16 and 17 are these. Jesus said, we all know the first part, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Yes, my friends, Jesus will one day return in judgment. But today is not that day. Today is not for judgment. Today is a day for mercy. That's what priests do. They bring the cares and concerns of the people up to God, and they bring the comfort and the mercy of God down to the people. What Peter teaches us in this passage is that those of us who have been on the receiving end of Jesus' priestly work are now part of his priesthood on earth. We share a calling to wear priestly hats. This is what we're going to see this morning, is God has given us this new birth into a priesthood. We're going to look at that under three headings, the word, the one, and the work. The word, the one, and the work. First, the word that gives and guides our lives. The big idea here is this. Listen, we're to wear the prophet hat, but towards ourselves first. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tackles our tendency to judge others instead of ourselves. Remember this? Jesus said, judge not that you be judged. For with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is pointing out what we so often do. We see some speck of wrong in someone else, but we fail to see the bigger log of our own sin and our own lives. And this is what Peter is getting at, too. He wants us to wear the prophet hat for self-assessment so that we may repent before we draw near to others in mercy. 
And Peter wants us to see that the same word of God that gave us this new birth is the word that must guide us every day. Look at verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. The instruction to love one another from a pure heart, you notice how it's nestled between the reminders of what God has done for us? He has purified our souls, and he has given us, granted us a new birth. The logical flow is something like this. Because God has set us apart as holy unto him and has given us new life in Christ, we should love one another with the same love that God has shown us. As Christ has loved us, not by counting our sins against us, so we are to love others. Christian, understand this. Jesus did not let your sins get in the way of him loving you. So why do you let other sins get in the way of you loving them? Jesus wore his priestly hat concerning you, and he took your sins upon himself, and he died that you might live. This is not the work of a prophet. This is not the work of a king. This is the work of a priest. The problem is we forget how much we need Jesus' priestly work every day. So it should be no surprise that Peter highlights that we need the gospel every day. In verse 23, he tells us that the word that transforms us is what? the living and abiding word of God. In verse 25, he says that this word is the good news that was preached to you. And then beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, Peter shows us how this living word is meant to be taken in by us as food every day. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, Long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This command is given to all who have tasted that the Lord is good. Christians can harbor malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy, can we not? It's not just others, it's us as well. And we do this when we wear our prophet hat incorrectly. While our Heavenly Father is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, we're so quick to judge. Do you see this tendency in yourself? Christian, you've been forgiven by the lavish mercy of God. Therefore, we must cast aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, and everything else. Peter encourages us to don a prophetic hat but not to judge others, but rather to apply the word of God to ourselves first. The very same word that saves you is the very same word that we drink in like spiritual milk to correct us, to rebuke us, to humble us, to cause us to repent. My friends, we never outgrow the word of God for its correction upon our lives. Now, some practical applications. If you find yourselves critical of others, remember that our role as Christians is to love others the way God loves us. 
We're not here to, listen, we're not here to fix other people. That is the job of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Our first responsibility is to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Also, if you find yourselves harboring bitter thoughts in your heart towards another, put on the priest hat. Pray for that person. Ask God to help you to understand and love them better. And continue to pray this until your heart becomes filled with compassion and a desire to bless them. We must wear the prophet hat towards ourselves first so that it humbles us and brings us back to the cross of Christ. Then we are set free to care for others around us as priests with compassion. That's the word that gives life and guides our life. Now, for the one, the one who molds and shapes our lives, obviously from a passage that is Jesus, who shapes us to be his priesthood. Look at how Peter begins verse 3. It's wonderful. As you come to him. The hymn here refers to the Lord, the one whom we've tasted and seen that he's good. The phrase, as we come to him, hints at a continuous process. This is not a one-time event, but a persistent daily communion. We don't just taste Christ once. We feast on him continually. And the more we feed on him, the more we become compassionate priests like him in this hostile and hurtful world. And this happens to us collectively as a church. Look at verse 5. You yourselves, plural here, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy, that's set apart by God, priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Grace Church, please understand this important truth from Ray Ortland Jr. He writes, We don't come to church in order to be the church. We come to Christ, and we are built up by him as the church. Our community does not come first. Christ comes first. If we just come to church to be with one another and try our hand at being loving to one another, then one another is all we will get. And if that isn't enough, then our hearts will invariably grow empty and angry. If we put community first, we will destroy community. But we become a community of divine grandeur as we come to Christ and submit ourselves to him. We come to him with all our sins and needs, moment by moment, and he receives us. Listen, Grace Church, when we come to Christ together and, and when we gather in his name, we offer up spiritual sacrifices together. And he builds us up as his spiritual house. And he molds us to be his royal and holy priesthood to serve in this hostile and pain-filled world. But notice also that as we go as priests into this world, many in this world will reject us just as they rejected Christ. Verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And then beginning in verse 6, 
for it stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. What is Peter doing here? Well, he's quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting verses that speak of how Jesus was to be rejected, and of course he was. Like a builder rejects stones to not be put in when he's building a building, so too Jesus was rejected. The world disregards Jesus, thinking he's really not anything to build a life upon. But the very thing this world rejects is God's precious, glorious cornerstone of the entire building that he is building. Christian, our lives are being built upon this very precious but rejected cornerstone. And as followers of Christ, we must understand that just as Christ was rejected, so too we will face rejection. Like our Lord, we might be falsely accused, even vilified for our faith and for our beliefs. And when it happens, we will need to fight the temptation to put on the prophet hat and declare God's judgment. It may even feel like death to us to wear the priestly hat in a dark world. But this is the way of our Lord, and we belong to him. But also notice, though, Peter wants us to see how special it is for those who believe. In verse 6, we read, Whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. What a wonderful promise. In verse 7, says, So the honor is for those who believe. My friends, through Christ, you and I will be rejected by this world, but also we are chosen and we are precious in his sight. It is an honor for us who believe. The world thinks that you are stupid for pinning every hope that you have on this rejected stone. But you and I must know it is an honor to believe. God has chosen us to be his holy people for his possession. So let us soak in the truth that Jesus is the one who shapes us and he builds us up to be his body on this earth. As the Son of God was rejected, so too we will be rejected as we live for Christ and his kingdom. And so how does this change us? I think it helps us to stop taking everything personal. You know, you're watching cable news. Boy, everything tends to get real personal. We stop hiding out in fear of being discovered for what we believe in. And this allows us to move on to be the priesthood that God is calling us to be, which leads to our final point, the work that defines our lives. My friends, we have a calling. We have a calling. Peter shows it to us in verses 9 and 10, and it is, listen, it's spectacular. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Christian, let me ask you, where does God get worshipers? In the darkness. God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if you're like me, you came kicking and screaming. You thought Christians were weak and they just needed God as a crutch. You insisted that science somehow proved there was no God. You were offended that God considered you a sinner. I'm not a sinner. You were in the darkness. But God called you into his marvelous light. The new birth, the new life that God has given you, does it not give you a completely new way of seeing everything? This is what happens when you're brought into God's marvelous light. So let us remember where we came from. This past Thursday night, maybe you watched it too, the, the NBA uh, draft. You know, after each person was drafted, they got to go sit on a couch and be interviewed. And usually they sat down with like mom and dad or brother and sister. And they were asked, how did it all happen? Tell me your story. And a, a summary response would go something along these lines. I've got God to thank. And my parents, they sacrificed a lot and yeah, I put in a lot of hard work at the gym. And I just try to stay humble and remember where I came from. Remembering where you came from is a virtue. Now, sadly, according to Sports Illustrated article, 60% of former NBA players are broke within five years of retirement. It is good to have a continual reminder where we came from. And that's what Peter does at the end of this passage. Once you were not a people, it doesn't get more simple than this. Okay, once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. This is where we came from. We came from the darkness. We were in great need of God's compassionate priestly care. And he came to us and got us. I'm afraid that over time, we Christians, we can just get full of ourselves, you know. So we need to be reminded of who we once were. And we need reminding of God's brilliant and grand mercy towards us. I think when we do this, I think we'll find we're not so quick to put that prophet hat on and judge others, right? I think Peter also wants us to consider a few things before we come to the communion table. One, obviously, is remember who you were and where you came from. Instead of incorrectly wearing a prophet hat and judging people, 
Have mercy on them, like God has shown you mercy. And as a holy royal priesthood, we, like our Lord, get to go into the dark places with mercy in our hearts towards others. Notice, this is, we often want to go into the dark places and say how bad they are, right? Can't believe you did that, you group of people. Fill in the blank, whoever you think that is. Peter doesn't say that we go into the darkness to prove how bad and wrong people are, but what? We go into the darkness to proclaim the excellencies of him, God, who's called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. And remember Paul's helpful words. It is God's what? Kindness that leads to repentance. Listen, the more you and I soak in the truth that we were once outsiders deserving God's judgment, but now we are God's people who have received mercy. The more we soak that in, the less we will engage this hostile and hurtful world while wearing our prophet hats, and the more we will seek to show God's excellent mercy to those who, for now, reject Christ. In a moment, we're going to gather here at the Lord's Supper. If we can look upon this meal in any way as a meal of judgment, it is because it points us to where? To Christ and how he took our judgment upon him. And so for us, this is what? It's a meal of mercy. It shows us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous. Oh, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, help us to get that pure heart so that we can love one another with the steadfast, merciful love that you have shown us in Christ Jesus. Help us by your spirit to feed on this truth. Help us to be quick to put on the priestly hat. Help us to use the prophet hat to correct ourselves in your grace. May this meal uh, be a powerful work in us, we pray. Amen.